Good morning, Redeemer. I'm Tyler Martin, one of the elders here at, at Redeemer. I have the privilege of speaking to you this morning as Pastor Matt and Pastor Adam are away on a trip. They're currently in Frankfurt, Germany on their way to Turkey. Today, I'd like us to think about reconciliation, specifically the call that each of us has to participate in the ministry of reconciliation. Our primary text for the day is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. I'll read it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal known through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's our practice at Redeemer to pray before we, uh, before we proceed, specifically that God would speak to us through his word and even through my words. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning as your sons and daughters, reconciled to you by the work of your son, asking you to speak to us through your holy word, and by your spirit working in and through each of us for your glory and our good. Amen. As it's Father's Day, I thought a good place to start exploring this idea of reconciliation would be a rather famous text about fathers, that is the prodigal son, which is really about the father, not about the son. Um, so the father had, this father had two sons. The older one was reliable and dutiful. The younger one was a libertine. The libertine son took his father's money, left home, lived a wasteful life, while the dutiful son stayed home and took care of the estate. The libertine son spent all his money and fell on hard times, eventually returning in shame to his father. But surprise. The father was watching out for his son, that he might return and ran to meet him, and then celebrated his return with the family. The dutiful son refused to join the celebration, angry with his father's grace towards his libertine brother. Imagine for a moment the tension that existed between these two brothers, probably from before the younger son left the family but apparently continued after he returned. Ponder the father's attitude towards both his sons, loving them both, but in different ways. Then consider the son's attitude towards their father. Do you think they both had the same depth of affection for their father? Recent times have been tumultuous. Over the last few years, we've seen increased polarization between people and groups of people. We've seen this globally, We've seen it within our country, within our state, within our city, even within our church. 
I'd like us to consider how these problems, how these conflicts might relate to the prodigal son story and what God has to say about this problem today. Let's start with a question. Why do we have conflicts, especially intense conflicts? James 4, verses 1 through 3 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, and that Greek word in the text is excessive passions, are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on these passions. The word teaches us that we have conflict because we excessively desire things that we do not have and will go to extraordinary lengths to get those things. These desires come from what we refer to as the heart. When the Bible speaks of our heart, it is not referencing our myocardium or our anatomical heart. Rather, this is the literary device that refers to our inner, spiritual, thoughtful, desiring, motivational persons. It's the causal core of our personhood, the seat of our thoughts, emotions, desires, and motivations. Unfortunately, our hearts are broken. By broken, I don't mean sad, though some of us may be sad. What I mean is, rather than being directed Godward and toward harmony, we bend towards self-interest. James is telling us that our broken hearts generate excessive desires, and in trying to satisfy those excessive desires, we will go to war with one another. Some writers call these excessive desires idols, and I know some of our young people are studying idols right now. I saw their poster over there this morning when, I went, uh, when we were at prayer. We can identify these idols by observing patterns in our life, that is, recurring episodes where our reaction to a situation is irrational or excessive. For example, I love my wife more than any other person on earth. Yet sometimes I get angry with her, excessively angry. What causes me to behave in such an irrational manner toward the person I love most in the world? It's these idols, these excessive desires that my broken heart has created for itself. These idols, generated by our broken hearts, dominate us. The Bible calls this being a slave to sin, being controlled by the idolatrous constructs of our own broken hearts. Thankfully, there is a solution for these broken hearts. In Ezekiel 36, God tells Ezekiel that he will turn hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. That is, hearts that don't work properly because they bend towards self-interest, being detached from God and his harmony, will be turned into hearts that bend toward God and his harmony. This fantastical promise was buried in Old Testament prophecy for years until the coming of Christ, which brings us to the text for today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the, word, the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. I see four dimensions of reconciliation in this text, and we're going to look at, at each of the four. The first one is reconciliation to God. The second is reconciliation to myself. The third is reconciliation to neighbors or to other. And the fourth is reconciliation to creation. Let's look at each of these. The most important implication from this text is clearly stated. God has reconciled us to himself. This is an amazing thing. He's done this through the work of Christ. It's important to note that God is the reconciler, that God moves towards us, and that he did this through the work of Christ. It's important to dwell on this point. Other religions tell people that, they, that to be accepted by God, they have to do certain things. If people obey some set of rules, they're accepted. If they do not, they are not accepted. This appears to have been the perspective of the dutiful brother and is the opposite of the Christian message that we call the gospel. The gospel, the good news says, I am accepted by Christ. He moved towards me, and I am now accepted. Therefore, I can obey in gratefulness. God reconciles us to himself through the work of Christ, and it is this reconciliation process that results in our transformation. Resting in this glorious acceptance is the only basis for our justification. It's also the basis for our sanctification. Our growth in grace is a direct result of our thankful resting and trusting in his acceptance. Any other basis for so-called growth is what Paul calls in Romans 3, filthy rags. The fruit of self-directed growth, rather than God-directed, acceptance-based, grateful growth, is not pleasing to God. This is wonderful news, that we are accepted based on his work, not on our own. This is the fulfillment of God's word to Ezekiel, that he will turn our hearts of stone, that is our broken, self-directed hearts, into hearts of flesh. That is hearts that are real and directed towards God and his vision for his creation. The second dimension of reconciliation is reconciliation to our true selves. One aspect of our broken hearts is that we don't know who we really are. Or if we do, we try to cover it up. We can tell ourselves stories about ourselves to cover up the painful truths that we don't want to face, or simply pretend some parts of us that we find undesirable do not exist. This is not real life. Real life deals with life as it is. Our Father's glorious acceptance of us based on his work, not on ours. <clears throat> is the basis for this life. It can allow us to begin to understand who we really are, which in turn leads us to becoming more authentic persons, living out of who God made us to be, rather than self-directed versions of who we pretend to be. The third dimension is our reconciliation with other people. Our broken hearts and the self-directed idolatry that accompanies them leads to conflict within others. It's very easy to dehumanize others when we are in conflict with them. But Matthew 5 says, if I'm angry with someone, it's the same as murdering them. Angry quarrels are simply our civilized way to commit murder. Many of us would not actually commit murder due to cultural boundaries, lack of ability, 
or cowardice, but nearly all, indeed almost all of us, are willing to have angry quarrels with others who interfere with our self-directed idols. It's very uncommon to have a conflict where one party is 100% responsible for the problem and the other party is 0% responsible. It may be 60-40 or even 90-10, but my brokenness always contributes to the conflict. Our resting in acceptance by God through the work of Christ means we can lower our guard as these idols fade in importance while God transforms my heart. The result is that I am less likely to get angry as those idols are less and less the thing my broken heart desires. Instead, my heart begins to desire whole relationships with other people, which we sometimes call loving our neighbor more than these idols, knowing that the most other person in existence is God. And he reconciled me to himself across infinite distance and great personal cost resulting in my glorious acceptance to him. Knowing that can allow me to move towards a reconciliation with others whose distance from me is much less and whose cost to me is also much less. This is an example of the ministry of reconciliation that we've been given. It means that we can love our neighbors knowing that no matter the issue, the distance between us and our neighbor is nothing compared to the distance between us and God. There may be occasions where the other party will refuse to move towards us in reconciliation, but being given the ministry of reconciliation means there should not be situations where we are not willing to move toward reconciliation of our contribution to a conflict. The fourth dimension of reconciliation is to the rest of creation. We read in Revelations that the new heaven and the new earth will join together. One of my favorite writers says, this is like two Velcro pieces meant to be joined. Today, these reasons are separate. The Velcro has been separated. And creation, like our hearts, has been impacted by the fall. The consequence are things like death, disease, natural disasters. This new earth is not really spoken of as a new earth, but rather as a restored earth. An earth reconciled to God, working as it was created to work, in harmony with God and his people. Knowing that this is coming as part of the plan of our gracious reconciler, we can begin to live into creation as it is meant to be. One can imagine that our ministry of reconciliation is like one single Velcro loop being put into place, knowing that he will eventually put the entire Velcro stably into place. I'm particularly curious how this will turn out I doubt that God will have a use for infectious disease physicians in heaven. So I wonder how I will serve him, his people, his creation in this new heaven and new earth. I look forward to finding out and finding out what you were really created to be. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. In summary, our Father in heaven knows us deeply, better than we know ourselves. He is not surprised by the current state of our broken hearts. He knows the depth of our brokenness to its core. And yet, in his glorious grace, he moved towards us, sending his son, Jesus, to pay for our brokenness and rescue us. Beyond that, to reconcile us to himself, 
to restore wholesome relationship with us. Tim Keller says, we are more flawed and sinful than we dare to believe, yet we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared to hope. This is based on his work of reconciliation. The principles of the gospel of reconciliation can be stated in three ways. The gospel is the good news of this glorious acceptance. The gospel is the good news of glorious acceptance, which leads to changed hearts and changed lives. The gospel is the good news of changed hearts and changed lives leading to the new world coming. I'd like to finish with some potential applications of the ministry of reconciliation. Some of us, like me, have been reconciled to God, but have hearts that remain with a bent toward self-exaltation. We tend to think we're pretty good and not in as much need of rescue or reconciliation as others. Friends, this is toxic rebellion toward our gracious, reconciling Father. My righteous acts are filthy rags. True righteousness is found in accepting the finished work of Christ on my behalf, not generating self-righteous works. If this describes you, his ministry of reconciliation in your life will turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh, producing growth, authentic, organic, Holy Spirit-generated growth, not self-generated, false, dutiful, thankless older brother, filthy rag, so-called growth. Friends, here's the gospel news for you. God is not unaware of your idolatry, but has still committed to rescue you from yourself. Jesus came to give us real abundant life so we can stand down from our self-righteousness projects. This week, perhaps you might think about the story of the prodigal son, realizing that people like us are the dutiful older brother. Let's ponder the situation of the older brother, and instead of thinking of self-righteous duty, move towards resting in the acceptance of the reconciliation the Father has given to us. Some of us have been reconciled to God, but have hearts that remain with a, self, with a bent towards self-condemnation. We clearly see our brokenness, and it breaks our hearts to do so. We think, how can a holy God love someone like me, especially given the brokenness in my heart? Friends, here's the good news for you. God knows the depth of your brokenness. He's never surprised by your failures, and yet he has called you to be his own and reconciled you to himself through the work of Christ. You are wholly accepted by your heavenly father. This week, perhaps you might think about the posture of the father in the prodigal son's story and realize that this is God's posture towards you, running towards you, embracing you, crying with joy over you, celebrating you, welcoming you into his family. Friends, Jesus came to give you abundant life. Some are here today who do not yet know the reconciliation to God that comes through Christ. If that's you, we're very glad that you're here with us this morning. For you, I suggest you consider what it might be like to know that God has come for you. Rather than feeling you need to do X, Y, or Z to be acceptable to God, or perhaps you feel that because you've done X, Y, or Z, you could never be acceptable to God. Friends, the glorious good news is that God moves towards people not based on who they are or what they have done, 
how good or how bad they might be, but rather based on who he is. He is a God of mercy, a God of justice, who moves towards and rescues, indeed reconciles, lost people who are lost and without hope. Turning hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, creating real, authentic persons who will forever be reconciled to him, to themselves, to others, and to creation. Starting today and reaching completion in the renewed heavens and renewed earth. This week, perhaps you might think about the story of the prodigal son, and if the father might be calling you to come home. If so, I or others here at Redeemer would be happy to meet with you to explore what this might mean. Having looked at these texts, let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your posture toward your creation, and particularly your posture towards your people. Thank you that though we rebel against you, you are transforming us into authentic people, reconciled to you and in harmony with others and with your creation. Thank you that you promise to complete the work that you have begun in us for your glory and our good. Amen.